0: Yo, 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 what is up, Baylor Nation? Welcome into another episode of Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley. Man, what a great game on Saturday. Stomped, absolutely stomped, the West Virginia Mountaineers. We're gonna talk about that game a little bit more before heading into this homecoming matchup against the number 19 BYU Cougars. A little bit of a preview of a future Big 12 matchup. And ladies and gentlemen, we have special guest back-to-back Big 12 champion quarterback for your Baylor Bears, Bryce Petty, is joining the pod today. We're going to get into a lot of stuff. So here we go. Please bear with me. In again to please bear with me. And we've got, man, do we have a good episode for you today? And before we let Bryce hop on here and give us his thoughts, you know, I got to give you guys my thoughts on the game. And they're going to be brief because Bryce and I are going to talk about that West Virginia game. Guys, I mentioned in the intro, we stomped, stomped the Mountaineers 45 to 20 finally finally we put together a complete game in all three phases for all four quarters and man was that good to see thought it was going to be a little bit more of a defensive battle and look i'm okay that it wasn't but man did we dominate 8.3 yards per play for us versus their 4.8 yards per play okay so for comparison, against Kansas this year, earlier this year, we had 8.3 yards per play for Baylor versus Kansas, 3.3 yards per play. So not as good against West Virginia, right? Because, you know, we gave them 1.5 more yards per play than Kansas. But any time, any time that you're able to outgain your opponent, By three and a half yards per play or more, I mean, that is significant. That is a dominant performance. And we have all, I think, been waiting for this team to really show us what they can do. And they did. I mean, finally, finally putting together a complete game. And I want to touch on the defense first. Look, West Virginia's only touchdown that really mattered. And when I say mattered, you know, that that touchdown near the end of the game, the game was over. It didn't really matter that they scored and got to 20, okay? So that first touchdown drive that they had, I mean, it was unlucky on our part, okay? Because that touchdown catch came on a tipped ball. We were right there to make that play. And then talk about their other two times they scored in the first half. It was two field goals, both of which came in the red zone. Okay, so again, we're bending, we're bending a little bit, but just not breaking. So we had the tipped ball that easily could have been an interception, could have kept them out of the end zone. And then, hey, forced two field goals in the red zone. I mean, what else, what else could we, could could we have asked for? And that's kind of what we expected out of our defense, hold them to 20 points. In reality, it was much less than 20 points, but you know, the scoreboard says 20. So, hey, they scored 20. And their last touchdown also, I mean, it came on a face mask after after a sack. So defense, I thought, just played a heck of a game. And I can't wait to talk more about the defense when when Bryce comes on and about the offense. Because Bohannon, (laughs) offense had their best game of the year. Bohannon had his best game of the year. Offensive line had their best game of the year. Okay, West Virginia, Scotty and I talked about it. West Virginia was leading the Big 12 in sacks. Guess how many they got against us? Zero. A big fat zero. That offensive line just continues, continues to get better. So Bohannon best game of the year. Offensive line best game of the year. The receivers as just an entire group had their best game of the year. And so it is just so pleasing, so pleasing to see this offense come out and put up 45 points on a good defense, okay, on a good defense, because Baylor, we have now faced the best three defenses in the Big 12, not named Baylor. That's Oklahoma State, that's Iowa State, and that's West Virginia. Okay, now Kansas State, they're number four in total defense so far throughout the year in the Big 12, so we've faced, okay, three of the four top top defenses in the Big 12 statistically but honestly I think I still think West Virginia is a little bit better than Kansas State defensively they just weren't against us we've shown that we can have success against very good defenses and it just keeps getting better and better and now look we are not going to face another defense that's as good as these three you know Kansas State is do, is playing well but Man, I just have a lot of hope for this offense moving forward because, man, we've already played just some really, really good defenses, and we've won two of three of those games. So, hey, if you're not pleased with that, I don't know what will please you, okay? Bear Necessities recap. Let's look over these Bear Necessities. The first one was pressure Daggy. Okay, Daggy was 20 of 31 for 237 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and guys, he had... Minus 23 yards rushing, mainly in part because of that Baylor defensive line, six sacks for Baylor. And before this game, we had only had six on the year. So we doubled our sacks in one game. Apu had two, and we'll get to Apu later. Bernard won, Randolph won, Obi won, Franklin won. And that defensive line, that rush defense, Those have been our weaknesses on defense, and they were not weaknesses this past weekend. They were not weaknesses at all. Okay, the defensive line got great push this game. Gabe Hall, TJ Franklin, they're coming around on the defensive ends. I mean, Apu, finally. Oh my goodness. We have been waiting for Apu to explode and have himself a game, and here it was. Here it was. Not only had the two sacks and led the team, but had two tackles for loss as well, which I think was was led the team or maybe was tied for most on the team. So Apu finally figuring some things out at the right time of year. We have a crazy stretch of games coming up here. So very nice to see that defensive line figuring some things out and gaining some confidence And that rush defense. We'll talk about that too. Letty Brown. Only had 12 carries for 44 yards, a 3.7 average. I came into this year thinking Letty Brown was going to be one of those top running backs in the Big 12. And so far this year, he has been held to not a lot of production, not a lot. So we held him to a 3.7 average yard per carry. And it was Garrett Green, the backup quarterback. And Scotty and I talked about how Garrett Green was going to come in and be a force on the ground. And he was. He led him in rushing. 10 rushes for 55 yards and a touchdown with a five and a half yards per carry average so our rush defense was a lot better defensive line a lot better but hey green came in another mobile quarterback and gave us a a little bit of trouble okay average 5.5 yards per carry so we can definitely still have places to improve defensively but man, just so much better. So much better rush defense wise and uh, defensive line wise. Because West Virginia as a team, 38 carries for 90 yards, only 2.4 average yards per carry. Okay, and the sacks helped a lot with that. But to hold Letty Brown under 50 yards is fantastic, guys. Like, that is fantastic. And so these weaknesses that we're seeing on defense are beginning to turn into strengths. They're coming around the corner and they're starting to look up to par with the rest of this Big 12. My second bare necessity, I know that first one long-winded, second one was get back to running the ball. And we we sure as heck did that. As a team, we had 32 carries for 171 yards and two touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry. That's great. I think 4.5, anything above 4.5 yards per carry is where you want to be. Because guess what? If you get four and a half yards every carry, you're going to get a first down every set of downs. Okay, so 5.3 average for the game. That's excellent. Smith, 11 carries for 87 yards and a touchdown, a 7.9 yards per carry average. Ebner, 8 for 53 yards. He averaged 6.6. Yards per carry, and that offensive line, that offensive line is really starting to settle in. It was great to see us to run the ball against a good Iowa State front, you know, at least in the first half. And now it was really, really good to see us run against a very good West Virginia front, you know. Like, hey, they're they're leading the Big Twelve in sacks, or us, or they were coming into that game, so. They've got dudes. They've got dudes, and we were able to push them back. We were able to have success on the ground for four quarters. That and that's a huge sign of success. I'm so pumped about our offensive line. West Virginia only had three tackles for loss. Okay, so offensive line, well, well done. Last thing here was penalties and tackling. Tackling, I thought we did much better. We we are getting better at tackling. We didn't have as many of those like Guys just bouncing off of us and getting three or four more yards after the first contact. And I think Bernard had a lot to do with that. It was so nice to have Bernard back in the lineup. He's just an animal. So having Bernard back in there, being able to move Matt Jones back to the outside really, really helped with rush defense. And we keep improving. We just keep improving with the tackling. And then on the other side of that, penalties. Okay. We were better, better with penalties, okay, six for 59 yards, so not nine or ten penalties that we've been used to seeing, so a little bit better numbers-wise, but we did have some mistakes in key moments. So I mentioned we only had six penalties, but three of them, three of them extended drives. One was a roughing the punter, and that was during a time in the game when it was still a close game and that really, really could have hurt us. So the roughing the punter extended a West Virginia drive. We had an offsides on another punt. So that's two punts that we were going to get the ball back that we just gave him a first down. And then the third one, a face mask on a sack near the end of the game. I mentioned that earlier. So look, half half of our penalties extended a West Virginia drive. So yes, we did a little bit better numbers wise, but Man, you just hate to see those types of penalties at those moments of the game when you're about to get the ball back. And just a couple of players I want to talk about specifically, we'll start with with Bernard. Man, just made made it seem like it was no big deal that he was coming off of an injury. I mean, he only led the team with nine tackles, which was three more than anyone else. All of which were, by the way, were solo tackles. He also had a sack and a tackle for loss. So I can't, I can't say enough how good Terrell Bernard is. And coming off an injury, he just fills up that stat sheet for us. It is crazy how much a difference Bernard makes when he's on the field. And then Apu, ah, so excited to see Apu playing well. And look, this this was something I saw this week. As the coaching staff mentioned, he was so used to only getting reps and playing against one type of offensive line play that he just needed time to learn and, and develop. And man, did we see this weekend that learning and development come to fruition. The two sacks, the two tackles for loss, and he is coming on strong at the right time of the year. I mean, it is the perfect time of year for Apu to start playing well. I've been critical of his play. I think most of us has most of us most of us have, and I've been critical critical of his river dancing too last week. But you know what, Apu, you can river dance all you want after that performance. I'm finding it hard to find anything negative about it. Bohannon, Bohannon, the deep ball was there, folks. The deep ball was there. 18 of 29. 336 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. For this is wild, guys. This is wild. Gary Bohannon does not have an interception on the year, and he doesn't even have many passes that I can remember that were just bad passes for an interception. Like I'm thinking of close calls, thinking back now, and I can't think of any. Can't think of any. Okay, so he also had a rushing TD, and that's a career high in yards and touchdowns. Twenty-nine attempts this game were the most he's had on the year, and he just keeps getting better and better. The we the the deep ball was just was not there against Oklahoma State, and he came out this week and was just lighting up that West Virginia secondary. I mean, Tyquan Thornton. We're going to talk about him later. I mean, whoo, What a game Bohannon had with the deep ball. And look, that offensive line. Pass blocking, excellent. I mean, so good. Gary was able to sit back there in the pocket and just operate and just boop, boop, boop. And man, it was lasers, lasers. And and when Gary has time back there, it, it is dangerous. He has shown the ability to step up in that pocket, read the defense, look off defenders, go through his checkdowns, and so when the offensive line is giving him those that time to do those things, you know, he's going to be better. Obviously, that's a pretty obvious statement. So Bohannon, he just keeps getting better. Now to our receiving core, Estrada. Man, it's just really good to see Estrada out there healthy. Running around. He had four catches for 90 yards. Uh, One of them was a 58 yarder. I think it was probably Estrada's best game as a Baylor Bear as well. Really liking what I'm seeing from Drew Estrada. And Ben Sims. Ben Sims is having a career year. Two catches for 39 yards this past weekend. And guess what? Both catches were touchdowns. I am just so thankful that we are using our tight ends to their fullest potential and (laughs) there's just something so exciting about a tight end touchdown for me there's just something that deep in my gut just makes me so happy to see a tight end catch a touchdown especially when it's you know a 20 or 25 yard touchdown so ben sims having a career year i'm so excited to see how else we get him involved in this offense And we could not leave out the oh-so-good player of the game. Look, all three phases played really, really well this weekend. And since we expected this to be a defensive battle, and because our offense put up 45 points, I am going with an offensive player this week. And Bohannon, he had an amazing game, for sure. But one guy showed out and had his best game in the green and gold. And that's Tyquan Thornton, eight catches for 187 yards, two touchdowns, the 75-yard touchdown on the second play of the game to start that dominant performance. He also almost scored on another long play, but that West Virginia guy, he just, just tackles his legs and we have been waiting for Tyquan to explode to have a game like this. He certainly could have had this type of game against Oklahoma State, but this week it finally happens. Taekwon Thornton, your oh so good player of the game. And let's keep that music going because now joining us to bear with us is back-to-back big 12 champion quarterback bryce petty i hope you guys enjoy
1: Uh,
0: well uh yours looks a lot better than mine i'm in a closet for the acoustics (laughs) well (laughs) i've got a treat so we're both there (laughs) Yeah. I need to add a little plant in. I mean, it might be yeah. able to a bit of, yeah. Um, but the <laughs> RG3 Jersey does nice though. I think, I yeah, think that's a nice works. touch. So it yeah. Works. Well, Hey Bryce, we are, we are pleased, pleased to welcome you in to please bear with me to podcast with us today. Um, Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah. Thanks for the time. Excited. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, well, Hey, let's jump in here. And where I want to start is the week of practice leading into the West Virginia game, because this Baylor team was coming off of a bad performance in Stillwater. And I hate to bring it up, but you also experienced a a bad performance in Stillwater. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get your thoughts on like, how did the 2013 team feel that next week of practice? Like, were you guys just mad? And do you think this team kind of had similar feelings?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that anytime you go out and and underperform, both like what we did in twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen at, at at West Virginia, and and then what they did, you know, in Stillwater this past year, I think anytime that you underperform, you get you get pissed, um, especially in that stage where, uh, again, I mean, and I've said it on our podcast too. I mean, look, Stillwater is just a tough place to play. I think they I think they do a great job historically rising to the occasion of any big game. Um, night game is still water. It's just a different kind of aroma out there. So, um, you know, but specifically at practice, I think it's kind of go back to business as usual. I mean, it's tough. This, this is, this game is tough to produce. Um, I don't want to say on the trajectory of perfection, right? You can't, you can't do that. You strive to do that, but at the same time too, you're going to have games where just not everything is clicking. Um, so it's just as important for you to you know, take it, diagnose it, get to the next week, and and go out to to be to have those games um, to really pull from, and and you know, from an adversity standpoint, be able to say, look, we've been through that, we know what that's like, but we're better. And so I think that they they really did that and came out and and slapped a West Virginia team that I thought, you know, look, man, I mean, a couple of weeks ago they had West Virginia come into Morgantown at number 15 in the country, and they beat the brakes off of them. Went to Norman and played Norman really tough, uh, you know, in Oklahoma. And then, um, you know, got kind of stumbled against, I think, uh, to me, I think they were looking ahead to, to the Baylor game and, and lost the Texas Tech. So, anyways, all that being said, I think West Virginia is a great team. I just think that, you know, some things have gone, you know, uh, opposite uh, in terms of the way that the ball's rolled for them a little bit. But, um, so anyways, yeah, I think that the Baylor squad did a great job of regrouping and getting back out of, you know, business as usual.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you there on West Virginia. I, you know, looking back at the beginning of the year, they didn't lose much. They didn't lose much. You know, they bring back such a very, very good defense and you still got your starting quarterback. So you expect, you know, the offense to take a little bit of a step up. And for whatever reason, I mean, West Virginia just has not played well the past two weekends. They have not. So getting into that West Virginia game, I do want to start with just with the defense, man. They they held West Virginia to 2.4, 2.4 yards per rush, three three of 15 on third downs. And I could go on, but what, what are you liking about this Baylor defense? I think they're just playing together. And I think, I, you know, again, another
1: thing that I've really felt like that I've seen over the last couple of weeks, especially coming off of last year too, was they are really buying into this Dave Aranda culture. And obviously he's a lot different than Matt Rule. Um, there's good, there's bad, doesn't matter. It's, it's, look, this is a captain of the ship now. And, and so I think that, that he is a, a lot more in, in terms of his persona, his personality more ball focused as opposed to, you know, um, you know, going to go wrap his arm around you. That's just from what I see from afar. I haven't been, but it just looks like that from afar. And so look, it's just a different way to, to be around a coach. It's a different way to be coach as a player. Um, And I think it just took us a year plus we had COVID and all that other junk. So, um, you know, I think what this defense is starting to understand and realize is playing together. um, They can be, they can be nasty. They can be yeah. nasty. They can be tenacious. Yeah. um Our our you know front seven. You know especially with uh, Bernard, it's kind of leading the pack there. But I think that those guys can be really really good. Our back end with Petri. I mean, the, you know, look, it's a really good defense, and it's and it's honestly it's a um it's a defense that's not um spoken about a whole lot. I think that that just historically ever since Griff and and um you know our offense took off, that Baylor's always been kind of offense first and. Really, last couple of years, man, um, it's been it's been all defense. I think the defense sure. has really been a staple for us um, in that locker room. So it's it's just really really fun to watch them come up when we need them, big plays. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but man, Gary Bohannon is is playing lights out right now, and oh, it's, yeah. it's just a fun it's a fun team to watch.
0: It is it is for sure. And looking at it, what made us so successful defensively in 2019 with with coach was that defensive line. I mean, it started with Mm -hmm. pressure from those guys. And that seems to be, at least in my estimation, where Baylor needs to improve the most on defense, that defensive line. And then they come out against West Virginia. They post six sacks. They double their sack total for the entire year. I mean, is that kind of the area we still need to improve there defensively or do we just need to keep playing together and just keep just rising yeah. to the challenge each week.
1: Well, I mean, what's, what's really interesting is even, you know, you take the one loss, which we can really pull from in terms of getting better, they forced three turnovers. We just didn't have any points off of it. We, and we were awful on third downs. And, and that's where, you know, I think if anything, it's, it's being able to execute when you need to be. And, and that's, and, and, you know, kind of Coach Randa talked about, you know, the competitive maturity, but that was a very interesting way to talk about that game um and and again with the idea of the locker room is is you know can you show up when you need to um so I don't know I mean the the defense is just playing so well right now I don't think that there's anything necessarily that we need to get better at you know as soon as you start creating pressures creating hurries those guys in the back end are, are playing so well um you know forcing turnovers and and that's where I just feel like you know in terms of when we do um, you know, create turnovers, we got to score. We got to score. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just a point. You know, even if it's a field goal, field goals help and, and go a long way. So, um, all that being said, I think that we just, I, I really want us to kind of go back to the running game a little bit. You know, we've kind of tailored off, I felt like the last couple of weeks and, and given, you know, Tristan Ebner and, and Abram Smith their catches or their, really their touches, um, I want those guys to be getting, you know, 20, 30 touches a game just because they're so thick and dynamic. Um, and, and I think that that helps you know, GB play the way that he needs to, which is just distribute and dish balls. Cause I think when he does that, he plays within himself and he's done such a good job of taking care of, of, uh, of the football anyways, this year. And he's just turning into a really, really, a really good quarterback.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned the running back. I mean, the, the running backs, Abram Smith, Treston Ebner. I mean, Abram is averaging 7.7 yards per carry on the year. Mm-hmm. Ebner is averaging over six, 6.1. Um, is this is this the best running back tandem in the Big Twelve? We might not have the top end guy, but is this the best tandem in the Big Twelve? I I think it'd be hard to you'd be hard
1: pressed to put a different group in there. Yeah, I think you know Bijan you know down there in Austin's a really good in terms of in terms of just a a single back. Right. Um. You know Jalen Warren up in up in Oklahoma State I think is really good. But as far as the tandem goes, I don't I don't really know who you could put uh you know in front of those two cats. I think they they play really well off of each other. I think they add a different dynamic to a defense do come in. I love packages when they're in there together. Yes. yes. I think there's a lot of things that you can do schematically with those, with those two that, that just offer a defense, you know, kind of the scratch of the head look.
0: Yeah. You mentioned that. I think we had, uh, I think it was Oklahoma State when uh, Abram Smith was in at fullback. We gave him a, a carry at yeah. fullback. he had like twelve yards yep. That was our best it' was right. probably our best run of the game so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and and switching over to these receivers now um if if there's one quarterback that can appreciate elite wide receiver play I, I think it's you I mean these guys yeah. over overlapped with your time Kendall Wright Terrence Williams Tevin Reese Corey Coleman Antoine Goodley Levi Norwood Katie K- I could go on okay yeah, so when, yeah yeah seriously man so when you think about this current receiver group like what pops out at you about the our, our current receivers um I think
1: again kind of in this in a similar sense of what Tristan and, and Abram give you is that you don't know which one's going to hit. You just know that one of them's going to hit. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, Tyquan Thornton had a hell of a game, um, you know, this, this past weekend. And, and he has been there as a seasoned guy, definitely leader of that group. Uh, but I think they're all dynamic in their own right. And, it, and, and again, you know, with what, you know, Gary's doing, dishing the ball out taking what the defense gives him, it allows him to, to wait for those guys to be open. And if it's a game where Tyquan's, you know, taking 10 catches for 180, so be it if it's where he's dishing out and he's got nine different receivers catching the ball, you know, we can win that way. And then all of a sudden we have a tight end at Baylor, which is just awesome. Um, you know, he's playing really well right now at Sims. And so um, I think it just, it it you put a lot of weapons on something different and all present something different. And and I think that, um, you know, coaches are doing just a really good job of, of preparing each week and then creating a game plan that, that you know, allows all those guys to, to get involved and in the mix.
0: Mm, Yeah. Okay. Let's talk Gary Bohannon. (laughs) I got to hear, uh, you've already spoken, you've already spoken about him a little bit. I know you're excited about him just from what you've been saying. Um, He just, I mean, he just continues to impress me every week. I feel like he continues to get better every week. I mean, and sometimes for me, the best way to find out what something is, is to first ask what it is not. So I'll I'll let you, I'll pose this question to you in two ways and let you answer how you want, you know, what has impressed you about Gary Bohannon or has he impressed you so much that you're saying, what has not impressed me about Gary Bohannon?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I think, look, you have to look at the QB position, Um, not necessarily in a box per se, but I think what we're seeing in Norman is a great example of that, right? That guy, you know, Spencer Rattler's all world talent, but, but can you execute can you lead your team? And then ultimately, can you take care of the football? And I think what Gary presents are all three of those, right? I think that, again, what we've already kind of spoken about a little bit in terms of him, his, his ability to take care of the football doesn't put the offense in bad uh, positions in a football game is, is uno. That's number one. Uh, the second thing, you see guys around him, guys just gravitate towards him. And, that, and I think that he elevates their game. I think that part of that is mm-hmm. just because of him taking care of the football. But I think, you know, the second part of that is guys just love being around him. Um, so and, and the beautiful thing about what I've watched in terms of from the from the first time I saw him get in the game until now, it is amazing. And you mentioned it. Too, but the development of being a quarterback, not a football player, but truly being a quarterback, and and um, you know I know everybody in Waco knows, but you know he wasn't highly recruited as a quarterback. It was more tight end. He got a lot of offers as a tight end. Didn't want to play tight end. You know wanted to play quarterback. And I think that you're you're able to see just I, I guess in the QBI's that I have. I mean his pocket presence, mm-hmm. sliding in the pocket, moving up when he needs to. He puts touch on the ball when he needs to. He fires it in there when he needs to. Um, there's just a lot of maturity that's, that's come from him in that position. So it's kind of, you know, shout out to coach Sean Bell and those guys to, to to develop a player, because I just, I don't think that you see that enough in college. You know, you see that a lot in, in the pro level where, you know, a guy will come in and and have enough talent to where, Hey, just let me develop this kid. And that's where I think you see coaches, the, you know, again, the Andy reeds and um, uh, even, I mean, you know, shoot, what, what happened with, with, um, you know Russell Wilson there in Seattle too. I mean he's developed into a hell of a quarterback, and and mm-hmm. so I think that that's that's something that you just don't see a whole lot anymore in this game is the tr- taking raw talent um, and and making them special. And I think that he's starting to become um, in in the realm of of what uh, you know Baylor football in in 2021 is. I think he's becoming special, and that's what's going to win us ball games. I think it's going to put us in the mix. Honestly, I think it, you know, end of October, November, it's going to be a really interesting conversation, especially in Austin this week. Um, you know, if, if Oklahoma state goes down to Austin and beats them, it's kind of this bedlam game. Right. But um, I think that, I think that there's going to be something to be said about, you know, when Oklahoma comes and plays, you know, at, at Waco this year too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And con- continuing with Bohannon here, I, And correct me if I'm wrong, but in the offense that you played in at Baylor, a lot of your reads were done uh, pre-snap. And it seems that in this current offense, while, yes, it is important to read the defense pre-snap, it seems like he's doing a lot of reads post-snap. Is that, am I off there or or is is that a fair assessment?
1: Um yeah, so a lot of our stuff was actually more reactionary than anything else. We had uh I would I would say that what we did really, really well was che- or not chess, I say it every time, wrong, but it's more checkers, right? It was hop, 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 hop. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we had the guys that, you know, it was a run first offense. A lot of people don't understand that. It was always a run first, and we struggled in the run, our offense struggled. So those big guys up front. Um, allowed us to create, you know, play action. Once you get safety down uh, into the box, that's when, you know, the Corey Coleman's Antoine Goodleys, the Levi, the Clay Fullers, all those guys, Kevin Reese that you just mentioned, that's when that let those guys pretty much have a wide open field of what they wanted to do. So for, in our offense, a lot of it was a post-snap reaction to they could either sit, they could run a post or they could go, right? That's that yeah. was a, the the gist of exactly what we wanted to do. So, you don't see Gary doing a whole lot of stuff at the line of scrimmage to where there's a whole lot of, you know, precept things that that I have seen. Um, but at the same time, too, I don't think in college you really need to. I, I mean, I think that's just kind of adding stuff that, you know, is is more fluff than anything else. You don't have the same schemes that you do in the NFL as you do in college, unless you're, you know, SEC and ACC. ACC gets pretty dynamic um, in terms of their defensive um, uh, game plans. But all that being said, so I think that I think that Gary's just doing a, a really good job of throwing receivers open. Um I think they're doing a really good job together of he's got now I don't know if he's got half field reads, I don't know if he's got progression <laughs> reads. Yeah. Um but what he's doing is he's operating that 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 uh that offense to a, a really high level. And and through that is always gonna be, you know, kind of the game plan, the practice, and and you know, everybody being on the same page. You see him check it down when he needs to you see him hit the under route, you know, so he's got some there that, that to your point um, he's working through progressions really well. And I think it just looks like he's really, really comfortable back there.
0: Yeah. And how, how hard is that to do after the ball is snapped? Cause you got three or four seconds to really run through a ton Dude, of stuff. Man. Three, three or four stuff. seconds is tight. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think it's it's really, you know, a second and a half, two seconds, and then you got to start making moves. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something that you learn, you know, you learn and you train and, and he's just done it again, you know, with, with Sean Bell and what they're doing in the offensive room. They're doing a really good job of getting him to where you kind of weed out some things and you can cross some things off. Um, that's what I loved about the NFL being it was more chess than checkers, because as soon as you get into some of these West Coast offenses, certain plays had um, really certain dynamics to where you knew, OK, if it was post safety or it was one safety you know, in the middle of the field, but I'm going left to right, and I'm going one to two to three. Or then you had these full progression reads, which was just one to two to three to four to, to mm. back. Um, so it just added a different kind of dynamic to, to the level of IQ and playing football that was just fun to be around. Um, but all that, all that being said, I mean, I think what, what Gary's doing, uh, pre-snap, post-snap, distributing the football, all that goes into can you make the play? Can you make the throw? Can you throw the guy open? Um, and continue to get first downs, and he's and he's doing that. Uh, like I said a couple times in this podcast, but and and even on mine too. I think he's just operating at a really high level, so it's it's fun to watch um, a kid kind of be more raw talent when he comes in, and then really starting to execute um, and and be a, a quarterback. He is in my mind, he is a quarterback.
0: Yeah, I think I think most people are starting to see that um, come through. I think everyone at Baylor is excited to have some, maybe not elite people will say elite yet, but so just very, very good quarterback play. I mean, he hasn't thrown an interception yet. And like you said, that's, that's number one is just to not turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. He's certainly done an exceptional job at that. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, shoot, man, there's been a lot of quarterbacks that come through to win Super Bowls that aren't
1: elite. A lot of quarterbacks that come through that have won national championships that aren't elite. So mm -hmm. that part, you know, to me is when you have that talent, it's awesome. But at the same time, you don't have to be elite to win games, you know? So I think he's, I think he's done plenty enough to 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 be in a conversation to to put us in a great great position to actually kind of be in talks where everybody was putting us you know middle to low end if not you know bottom three. yeah
0: I think that's yeah I think that's I think that's changed for sure. Um okay you also had a very unique experience at Baylor being one of the very few players to play the last game at Floyd Mm Casey and the first game at McLean. So I like just leading into that last game at Floyd Casey, what was that something that you guys talked about throughout that week? Like, hey, this is the last game at Casey. Like we got to We got to come out there and show out. Or was it just business as usual? Like you mentioned, you know, when we first started.
1: Yeah, well, you're definitely aging me because that was seven (laughs) years ago. Now it sucks. I'm so old um but hey no
0: we uh we we graduated on the same day actually so (laughs) you're same ceremony so hey I'm (laughs) I'm aging myself too so yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you got a better beard to show for it than I do so um but no I think it
0: was something that we definitely talked
1: about um you know I don't I don't think that I don't think that people um appreciate history and tradition as much when they're going through it as when they get past it and look back if that makes sense for sure. Um, so definitely looking back on that experience, you know, knowing, you know, the, the greats that have come through, um, you know, Taft and Singletary's, and Jeffries, and 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 there was just a lot of really amazing players. Um, obviously, probably the, the most famous one of those being Griff to play in, you know, that stadium with all those guys. I mean, the there was a football. Football did not leave Waco, and it never had Waco. I think it was, you know, we took – a couple of bumps in the road, a couple of years, but, (laughs) but to, to take, you know, the early two thousands to get into, you know, the, 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 or I guess the the later part of the nineties and early, early two thousands to get into the, you know, where we were at um, rolling people was just, it was a lot of, a lot of fun to understand the gravity of what that was, especially looking back now. Um, But I, I, what was interesting, I think it was more or less of, you know, we were playing for big 12 championship to close out the case. And that was something that, that, you know, we did, you know, kind of talk about and and say, Hey man, this is, this is a real opportunity to, to um, you know, put Baylor on a map and kind of a different level than what we had been before. So um I think that was, and, and honestly, crazy enough, I know that, that that game was for the big 12 championship until we were in the tunnel. Um And that's when, you know, mm. the, Bedlam, the Bedlam game. Yeah. I, mean, wow, I forgot when, about that. Yeah. Oklahoma beat Oklahoma state. And so, um, you know, when that happened, uh, it was like, dude, they, they were, everybody's kind of screaming in the tunnel. Like, man, this is for really the yeah. Big championship, you know, Oklahoma just, just beat them. They really just unique time to be a, you know, one as a football player in general, but be a Baylor and, and, yeah. um, uh, be able to, to, to do that was awesome.
0: Yeah. man, mean, in a that,
1: freezing cold game.
0: Yes. I was about to say, but like, yeah. what a storybook ending you, you, you win Baylor's first big 12 championship, you close out Floyd Casey and, and, and and it's against Texas. Like, I'm not sure you could have written it any better than that. Um, I don't think you can. Yeah. Yeah. So, and now going, playing that first game in McLean, I mean, what was that like? Was it almost, did it feel almost like an away game? Like, Oh, we got to get used to these surroundings. We got to get used to this locker room. Like we don't know what's about to happen. What, what was that experience like?
1: No, that was about the most, hyped we've, we've ever been <laughs> awesome. yeah it was awesome. it was you know off on and you know she'd have you know president bush there and the Flyo. i mean it was just it was electric so it was yeah. one of those things that again that you know we were able to benefit off the backs of a lot of people before us that you know put a put a lot of hard work effort and energy and then to to be able to open up a new stadium as cool as that stadium is you know was while we were you know kind of playing it was just uh nothing but kind of coming off you know 35 over the hill they're going south and seeing yeah. you know mcclain's state. It was just a really unique experience so i was i was certainly blessed to be able to to be able to you know open that up and you know get the win and then have another big 12 championship you know with it so
0: yeah yeah we uh we certainly will never forget those back to back big 12 championships <laughs> we, we certainly will never forget yeah um, they're not split either so no they're not they're not yeah for sure not um okay Let's talk a little bit about BYU, a little bit about okay, BYU. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, future Big 12 opponents, kind of a weird thing going on here. Yeah. Like, they're going to be in the Big 12, but they're not yet, but we're playing them right now. Uh, Grimes and Mateos were both there last year. Um, and also, it's a non-conference game in the middle of the season. That's, that's new for Baylor and, and for right. Baylor fans. Um, when you look at this game, as as a player, I, I guess I'll ask this first. You know, obviously you want to win. Obviously you want to go in to win. But if we lose, it doesn't really affect Big 12 that much. So is this kind of a free game? I'll put that in quotes, a free game. And I'm, I'm scared to ask it to you that way, but.
1: Yeah, well, no, I mean, I definitely get the, the gist of what you're saying. But, I, you know, as a player, nothing's a free game by any means. I think that this is a great, in terms of schedule, this is a great matchup. I mean, I hate that they lost last week, um, yeah, because they were you know top ten. But um, at the same time, you know they've come to Texas before. They played they played UT um, a couple years ago. Um, BYU is a tough team, and and they are every year um, a, a really stout program. So you know I think this is t- to be honest, man. This is I would look at this as any other game, um, being that being that it, is, it is a it is a way to say hey, welcome to the Big Twelve you know, good luck yeah. doing this every week. Right. Yeah. I mean, because everybody thinks that they can do this um, every week. And, and this is, this is kind of one of those moments to show kind of like what Arkansas did to UT a couple of <laughs> weeks before, I think they had that in the locker room as well. Like, okay, you think you'd see just because you're UT, you're going to come in here and, and play an SEC team and they got the break beat off. So I think that, you know, for us, this is almost more of a, you know, kind of big brother welcoming you know, to the big 12 and, and this is what you got to get, uh, you know, get used to or get ready for. So yeah. um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, they're, they're, like I said, they're really good. Always been really good. They're really sound technically. Um, You know, they don't make a lot of mistakes and they've got a, a, a really good quarterback and hall that, that can make some dynamic plays for them as well. So, uh, you know, all that being said, I'm, I'm not nervous about it. I, I like us better on paper. Yeah. Um, I like where we are chemistry wise, culture wise. I think momentum is really starting to, you know, we took a, a, a little hiccup or a, a stumble there naturally. Um in Oklahoma in Oklahoma. You said Did it. You said it. I, I wasn't know, gonna bring yeah. it up. You said it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um I didn't even mean to say it. That's awesome. Um, you know, but uh in Stillwater, but I think we learned a lot and then the way that we came this week, we took care of business and, and I think that, that this week coming up will be a great week to do, you know, do that again and, and yeah. rinse wash your feet.
0: Yeah, I mean, what what worries you most about, about the BYU team then, would you say? What um, matchup worries, worries you the most? I don't, I don't know
1: if I would be a, a matchup. I just – I feel like, you know, because it's a non-conference game that you might have this look ahead into, you know, the, mm-hmm. big, the big 12 and, and you're missing, you know, a quality opponent to come in. And, and again – with strength of, of schedule being everything with which we're not ranked right now which i'm i'm really surprised that they came out and, and we're not ranked because again just what west virginia put on the field um and we beat them as handily as we did i thought that we would be so um all that all that being said and it, it doesn't matter but um whether you're ranked or not you just go win and and yeah. it all shake out but right. uh, at the end of the day i just you know that's that's what i think worries me sitting here in you know more couch quarterback than anything else is that you know guys are looking ahead and 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 this is one of those opponents that you know if you beat and beat handily um you know i think that murmurs rumors whatever you want to call it are going to start talking through you know not only the big 12 but you know college football that man there's there's a squad back in waco
0: yeah yeah that could that could make some noise and and to that point i mean what is what is the ceiling for this baylor team is is it a big 12 championship appearance yeah. Well, I mean, shoot, I
1: think that, I think that if it's not this year, I think def- we're, we're setting up to be uh, a powerhouse, you know, for years to come, which I think this is, this is the kind of year that you have a huge jump in recruiting. This mm-hmm. is the type of year that, um, you know, especially with everything that, that happened a few years back that, you know, this, this kind of, uh, we got, I guess it, you know, NCAA came out with what they came out with to where it's all, it's, it's in the past. To where now it's you know future, and we're looking at you know more the windshield as opposed to the rearview mirror, mm-hmm. um, and so I think yeah, I mean I, I think that there's there's not a team on that schedule that that I'm afraid of by any means for for these guys, and and even what you know happened in the Red River Showdown or Shootout or whatever the heck they call it now, Red yeah, River rivalry, rivalry Red, Shootout, Red River, Showdown, rivalry. whatever. I mean I got seventeen names for it. Um, but, you know, again, what I what I saw does not make me nervous so I, I, I've i seen Baylor make the plays that we need to um, if we go execute the way that we need to we can play with anybody
0: yeah yeah I, I agree with you there and the uh, schedule is certainly set up for yeah. for us to have those successes and and to win those games so I'm excited for the rest of the season I'm just very excited about the team like you said it's just really starting to come together I think we finally put together a full full quarter game of all three phases against West Virginia. And we still have more, more mountains to climb. So very excited about the rest of the season. And now Bryce, tell me a little bit about the Bryce and Trevor show. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, well, man, it's been a lot of fun and, and, you know, crazy enough, Trevor and I met at the Manning camp and, you know, we, we obviously knew each other playing, uh, (laughs) really connected to the Manning camp and, and just, I've got a, I've got a special place in my heart for that dude. And, and uh, we were actually talking about it a couple of years ago, doing a podcast, just for fun. And then you kind of realize, like, man, there, you know, what you mentioned before the show, like, there is time involved in it. And there's money involved yeah, in it. And, yeah. And, you know, so for us, we're like, well, you know, maybe it's not the right time. But, anyways, um, so I got a call, um, you know, back in, I guess, July um, from Jeff Goodman and Rob Dexter who are both of those guys are kind of industry, industry names within CBS, ESPN. And they started a field of 68 more on the March Madness, um, you know, podcast mm. about March Madness. And so, they ended up getting picked up by Bet River Sportsbook and Bet River Sportsbook said, hey, man, we really want to expand into college football and we want to do a Big 12, we want to do Pac-12, we want to do Big 10, SEC, ACC. Um, and so they kind of went and uh, we were lucky enough to, to get approached by those guys for the Big 12. And uh, it's just, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun being engaged, actually watching games. I have yeah. you know, TV, laptop, you know, both <laughs> uh, both phones um you can tell the wife it's for my
0: job now yeah i think i I love it
1: hey i can't take ribs sorry you gotta take her um and uh but anyways it just it kind of keeps you engaged in in the sport a little bit which is which is fun i kind of had a a a break or so because i was wanting to do you know at a a ball i'm a big hunter and um so i made the mistake of like the first hunting trip i was gone for like seven days and you know the wife was like yeah you're not doing that anymore um and so anyways it's it's kind of been on my radar to, to get back in the in the game. So this is a great way to do this and um you know, maybe do some broadcasting down the road. I don't know. It's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Well I, hey, I've certainly enjoyed it. I think the rapport that you and Trevor have is great. You guys give each other a hard time and it's yeah, it, it's yeah. great. I enjoy it, man. I, I really do. And that's well, thank that is you. yeah, I mean, it, the Trevor and Bryce show, right? That that is what it's it called. Is. Right? Yeah. Okay, nailed yeah. it, nailed it.
1: Out, when, when you get called out by Katie Perry, I think your your name deserves <laughs> to be first uh For the podcast, so oh, yeah. that's
0: hilarious! I've forgotten
1: about that. Yeah. Did he make? Did Did he ever call her? He says he did and I think he's a liar. Yeah, I think he for sure. Did. I think, yeah, I think, I, I think sure you did. need to
0: call him out on the podcast. <laughs> I think you do. He gets mad when I do. <laughs> so <laughs> I certainly wouldn't be mad about Katy Perry uh, name dropping me. So um, I hear you, right? Yeah. Well, hey, Bryce, I enjoyed it. I had a pleasure. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank
1: you, Travis. Appreciate it.
0: You. Yeah, man. Th- thanks for joining us. And anytime you want to come back, we'll we'll be happy to have you.
1: we <laughs> Will do, brother. Y'all be good. And we'll see you guys uh, here shortly. Go Bears.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That was pretty awesome and pretty special. So, Bryce, if you're listening, thank you again for bearing with us hopefully we can get him back on and talk some more baylor football but now let's talk a little bit more about this byu team they are five and one they are ranked number 19 in the nation their two biggest wins came against number 21 utah 26 to 17 and number 19 arizona state i'll have it 17 17 here but Okay, that's that's a mistake on my part, but they beat Arizona State and then their first loss. Uh they they were going to be a top 10 team had they won this past weekend against Boise State, but Boise State takes care of business 26 to 17. Now this BYU offense is going to look similar to ours because guess what? Grimes and Mateo's were coaching the BYU offense last year. And I actually just read an article that BYU has had to change up their uh signals because they're using the same ones that that Grimes was using. So that that could affect the game, probably not, but it could. It could. They are physical and they want to bully you. As an offense as really as a whole team, especially though on offense because they have a very good running back. It reminds me a lot of what Jalen Warren from Oklahoma State did to us. And they draw a few similarities. Uh, The BYU running back, Tyler Algier, number 25, he's 5'11", 220. Jalen Warren was 5'8", 215. So same weight, but Tyler's got three inches on him. And he is their bell cow. He's got 121 attempts on the year, 642 yards. 5.3 yards per rush, and he's got eight touchdowns. That is a lot of touchdowns, okay? And now compare those carries, 121 carries already on the year, okay? Between Ebner and Smith, okay, combined, they have 144. So combined, Ebner and Smith don't have too many more carries than Tyler Algier does on the whole year. And he is a very, very physical runner, if you want to want a comparison to someone we've played already this year, it's Jalen Warren. At quarterback, it's Jaron Hall, number three. He missed two games before that Boise State game last weekend. It was like a midsection injury. Not exactly sure what it was. I'm sure he was just bruised up if, if, if he's back, but I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not exactly sure what that midsection injury was. Uh, versus Boise State was 22 of 37, 302 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Only had two rushing attempts against Boise State, Um, but don't read too much into that. Could could be because of that injury because on the year, he's got 22 carries for 163 yards and he's averaging 7.4 yards per rush. So he can get it done with his legs. He didn't against Boise State. I don't know if that's injury. I don't know if that's the game. I, I don't know what it was, but I say that to say one of our weaknesses defensively as been mobile quarterbacks, I think Jaron Hall prevent, uh, prevents presents some challenges here for our defense. Now, let's talk about that BYU defense just very quickly. They are very physical and just a solid, solid defense. Middle of the road in stats, okay? 54th ranked in SP Plus. They're the 62nd in total defense nationally they're 33rd in scoring defense averaging uh allowing just a little bit over 20 points per game and they've got 13 sacks on the year so again a solid physical team a solid physical defense and you know i I, they're middle of the road they're just a little bit average to below average like on total defense but they are holding their opponents which have been some pretty good opponents, to just 20 points per game. That is excellent. Okay, that is excellent. And look, they turned the ball over against Boise State four times. Four times they turned the ball over, and they still only allowed 26 points. So, hey, they may give up yards, but they don't give up a lot of points. now the bare necessities okay only one bare necessity this week yes one but it applies to both sides of the ball it's win in the trenches mainly because this is a very physical football team they want to run the ball just like we do and they've got the right running back to do it it is going to be important for our defensive line to establish themselves and not get pushed back early in the game. That is going to set up this BYU offense for four quarters. If they are able to punish us at the point of attack, this could end up looking like that first half against Oklahoma State. We need to force them into some early throwing down situations and neutralize that running back attack, and it starts in the trenches defensively. And now on the other side of the ball, look, basically we just need to do what we did against a very good West Virginia front seven. Our offensive line pushed them around early in the game and they didn't have an answer. It opened up the entire offense and it finally gave us a taste of what GB can do when he has time back there to operate. On top of that, it drastically decreased the amount of times the defenders could pin their ears back and rush the quarterback. Would love to see Abram Smith get 15 to 20 carries this game. That means we dominated in the trenches as an offensive line. That is usually a good deciding factor in every football game, but because of the physicality of this BYU team, it's going to be an even bigger factor this weekend. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. Short and to the point here, I think we can score on this defense, and I think our defense is going to give them fits. Yes, they've played some good competition, but nothing like this Baylor defense. And BYU is coming off of a game where they turned the ball over four times we haven't had a special teams or defensive score in a little while. So I'll go ahead and predict we get a defensive or special teams touchdown this homecoming weekend and your Bears win 31-17. I did not get to go over my Big 12 picks last week, and I'm glad I didn't because I have done terrible the past two weeks. I am sitting at 5-7 and seven after starting the year off 3-1, and one, so I need to bounce back big this week. And I know it's not a Big 12 game, but it is a future Big 12 game, so we are going to pick this Baylor game. BYU visits Baylor baylor minus six points and by my game prediction i am taking baylor minus six oklahoma state is visiting ut this is probably the game i'm most excited about this weekend i think oklahoma state shows up they're getting five and a half points so give me oklahoma state plus five and a half tech is visiting kansas kansas is getting 16 and a half points i thought tech was making a little bit of a comeback, but I think they finished bottom two along with Kansas. So I actually think Kansas has a chance to win this game. Give me Kansas plus 16 and a half. TCU visits OU. And look, I think OU is going to figure things out now that they've made a switch at quarterback. So I know 13 and a half points is a lot, but I'm going to take OU minus 13 and a half because also I do not trust TCU. Last game here, Iowa State is visiting Kansas State, another really, really interesting game this weekend. And I think I'm going to go with Kansas State because they're playing at home and because they are getting six and a half points and because Skylar Thompson is going to play. So give me Kansas State plus six and a half. Thank you listeners for bearing with me this week. Also a huge shout out to our back-to-back Big 12 champion quarterback Bryce Petty for joining us and bearing with us pretty pumped about this game this weekend we've got a ranked opponent coming into McLean Stadium for the second time this year we all know what happened the first time a ranked opponent came into McLean they did not like the outcome and now on this homecoming week the fans are going to be excited The weather's going to be great. People are going to be out there for the parade. It's a 2.30 game. So once you're done with the parade, you're just going right into tailgating. I mean, it should be an electric atmosphere at McLean Stadium this weekend. And Baylor, another opportunity to have a big win and put ourselves on the map. A lot of people don't know about this Baylor Bear team, but I promise you by the end of this year, they will know. Sick and Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley, in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.